Hello, and welcome to another episode of Root for Each Other, a Branches podcast, where we take a meaningful look at the dynamics of domestic violence and how trauma-informed, inclusive advocacy can make a difference. The opinions on this podcast are ours individually and do not necessarily represent the opinions of Branches. another episode of Root for Each Other. Today, we are going to be exploring the concept of how we celebrate and enjoy spooky season and Halloween while also preserving client dignity. And today, I am here with two of my favorite colleagues who happen to be real Halloween supporters. <laughs> and I'm going to introduce them. I'm here with my colleague, Kelly. Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm here with my colleague, Kay. I'm Kay. And we are just going to have a conversation about what it's like to help domestic violence survivors navigate Halloween, which can be a really challenging time. Or for some people, it is great. It's a wonderful time to kind of explore those feelings of fear. So we kind of had this idea because Kay brought this great article to the table that she had read. I'm going to take a step back and let you talk a little bit about that. What made you think it was a good idea for us? So the article is called Halloween Can Be Complicated, Remember Self-Care, and it just reminds you that it can be a triggering time for survivors. So I thought it was perfect for a domestic violence podcast just to kind of explore different ways to not cross clients' boundaries during that time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I um, I remember like when I read the article, when you said it to me, I was like, oh, we've got to talk about this new podcast because... It's something that we're navigating, not just during October and spooky season, but every day of the year, we have clients that are dealing with significant fear. And so I thought, we need to bring a bunch of perspectives to this. And Kelly, I think you just have a great perspective um, with your love of horror and your love of what it, how it works as a genre. How do you see it playing out for survivors? It's actually not something that I really thought of being such a lover of horror movies, I never really thought of it from the other side of the table that people could be genuinely scared and genuinely want to avoid that kind of topic. But reading the article that Kay sent, um, it did make sense to me how the atmosphere of Halloween, especially is conducive to like higher assault rates and people reliving the things that they've been through. So I appreciate having the perspective and it, I did feel pretty receptive to it. But I think that what makes it an interesting topic is that it's so individual, right? Yes. We have survivors that absolutely love this time of year. It makes them feel freer in some ways. And and I think we're going to get into a lot of cool reasons why that could be. We're going to talk a little bit about how horror as a genre works. But also, I think that even for those that do not have that perspective of it, that are it's sort of a heightened time, we have some really good advice about how to navigate that. I think... The safety planning that we do all through the year is like especially around this time. So let's take a minute and think about. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to start with one of the things that I was kind of processing as I was thinking about this concept, which is that I worry a lot about with my um, kids, with parenting of kids, with just any kids. I worry a lot about how we are helping them form 
neural pathways, like how we are helping them get tools in their belt to navigate life. And um, I, I personally, as a parent, have a fear that horror movies and horror scary scenes can set them up to have a like a certain pathway that their brain goes to. Um, what do you guys think about that? I think there's something to be said for that. Um, my son definitely does not like horror movies. I tried to get him kind of involved in that, and he is not receptive at all. I even went so far as um, I went to take him to the circus, and he was afraid to go because he knew there was going to be a clown there. And his vision of a clown, because he had never seen one before, except for it, he was that was what he was expecting. Uh-huh. So it was a little bit of a... A conversation that, hey, this is a different kind of clown. This is one that you can actually enjoy. But the fact that that had created such a barrier for him was very notable. Uh-huh. That's very, very interesting. But at the same time, I have friends who have kids that like love it. Mm-hmm. And also that it doesn't seem to like, they don't seem to have a negative reaction to that. That's what I was going to say. I know a lot of little girls now that will dress up as like Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger and it almost makes them feel empowered. Like if the boogeyman can't scare me, nothing can scare me, you know? And I'm almost jealous of that because when I was their age, I did not have that mentality, you know? Yeah. I, um, I think a lot about that. I think that part of my like hesitation with it has to do with my sense of feminism and I, I think we can agree that historically horror is problematic for the way that it treats women, but not in every case. There's tons of great examples now. Um, I can't help but notice that you're wearing your final girl necklace. <laughs> yeah, really, I came ready. You came ready and brought it to the table. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about that? Like, there's something to be said about how empowering the final girl can be. Yeah, the concept of, of the final girl, I'm really into that. And I don't think it's something that's really new. I think it does go back several decades at least. But just the idea that you can see women tackling these huge issues like assault, like loss, like grief through the horror genre and that they come out on top, I think is really empowering to a lot of women. But I think it also, as much as I'm a fan of that, I also wonder if it begs the question, do we really need to see women being victimized in order to see their strength? But I am still a fan of the final girl. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to say that's not a big secret in my house. I am borderline obsessed with Buffy. I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I grew up on it. It's a big thing for me. And one of the things that I loved about Buffy is that it was a real, um, it did a lot by playing with that final girl trope. And, um, as problematic as he can be. I think that Joss Whedon has a cool quote where he's like, hey, I just want to make something where the cute blonde girl comes out on top and comes out of the alley and has killed the monster. And that really appealed to me at a certain age. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, like, yeah, I want to see more of that. Right. I want to see less victimization. Right. The cool thing about Buffy, in my opinion, not to make it about Buffy, <laughs> as the show goes on, Peter Pan, the villains become more about, like, life. Mm-hmm. It's like addressing what it's like to live as a girl in this world. And I think that's very interesting in parallel to other horror genres because I actually think there's a lot more of that going on than you get the shot of credit. Yeah, yeah. Um, A a huge amount of horror is meant to parallel everyday life challenges. Yeah. So I think maybe then that from our perspective, as like with the topic we're going to talk about today, we should shift from talking about the genres to talking about the audience. So I think that how you respond to the content has everything to do with your experiences. And so I think my advice as an advocate 
would be saying like, hey, before you go into this, know yourself. I think that's so important. What do you guys think? Absolutely. You always want to make sure um, before anybody goes into anything like that, they're going to be comfortable and maybe even offer different kind of experiences. Maybe, you know, you have a spookier area, but then a part where things aren't so spooky, where you can do like Halloween crafts and watch fun Halloween movies. There's a whole part to Halloween that isn't scary. It's just spooky. And I think it's fun to explore that aspect of it. I have an obsession with the idea of October as like a magical time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really love that vibe. I love it. It's like, hey, this is this beautiful, transformative, like magical time of the year. I get really into that vibe and sort of like kind of steer away from the spooky stuff. Now, I'm living at home part time with an 11 year old and a two year old. So we do a lot of pumpkin hang- carving mm-hmm. and and my two-year-old just continues to refer to pumpkins as apples. It's great. She's with apples. Big apples. <laughs> but I, I, I still like, like that magical vibe to it. Something that, that kind of spoke to me when I was doing research on this specific topic was I found a study out of Finland um, that found that people who watch horror learn about their own fear responses and so are better able to regulate their emotions. So I've got to push back a little bit on the concept that you have to know yourself. At least maybe you don't need to know yourself fully. Um, I think there is room to move between, oh, maybe I don't know how I'd respond in this kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think horror could be a, a good tool or the spooky season in general could be a good tool to learn about yourself in that way. Oh, I love that. I think that that's a great, I think that's the purpose of art. I've said that many times, but I I think the purpose of art is to help us grow. And I do think there has to be a careful balance of like, know yourself as you are, but allow yourself to grow. Yes. Yeah. If you Um, are in the headspace to take on new information and new experiences, then explore that if you want to. And if you're not, I think we need to make an atmosphere where it's safe that person to leave. Right. Right. Exactly. So I think that brings us to the concept of trigger warnings, which um, I, I shared um, in previous podcasts, I'm sure, that I used to have a really strong opinion about trigger warnings. And now, um, as an advocate, I have a, just a very different perspective to them. But I think that they uh, become so important when we're working with clients, when we're working with victims of domestic violence, specifically because it allows that safe space, right? That's what they're for. Right is to say, like, hey, we can, this this might be happening in the show. We might be talking about very graphic things and you can leave or you can uh, choose to take in this content. Right. Kelly, I think that research is really, really interesting, especially alongside the knowledge that some research suggests that people who have experienced traumatic events such as assaults or things that might be portrayed in horror movies can't distinguish between what is happening and what is happening on screen. And so, again, I think that that must be very individualized. Absolutely. Um, I, like, we're talking about very specific groups of people. Yeah. And as we mentioned, the brain is very different uh, person to person. So it's it's very specific, person-specific, situation-specific. Mm-hmm. So I want to look at advocates, what we can do to caution people if they are in a moment when they're like consuming content and they realize that it's starting to feel very real. How, how do you think we might work with folks that were having that experience? That's a really in-depth question, I think. <laughs> um, like we said before, always give them options to walk away if they need to. If it's something maybe that's 
bothering them and they understand that it's bothering them and maybe they want to explore why it's bothering them, we can talk about options and referrals for maybe some counseling. I think that's right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think my approach would probably be to respond as though they were having a panic attack, mm-hmm. check in with them with uh, sensory cues. Hey, like we're right here in this moment or, you know, and I think that if you are alone and in that situation where things are starting to feel like you can't distinguish if this feeling is, is on the screen or in real life, then I think checking in with your sensory self is always a great idea. Mm-hmm. I think saying like, okay, I'm physically in this moment. This is separate from me. This is, um, I think that's very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. I will be honest with you. I have a problem sometimes when emotions that are meant to be cathartic become too internalized for me. And I take them on as if they are quite real in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be very, very mindful of anything that I'm consuming in that way, which is, again, something I've learned over time. And you might not know going into new content. Yeah. And coming from the other side of it, uh, I grew up in a home that was... Uh, unsafe and scary to be in a lot of the time. And I think having the option to participate in scary things um, kind of helped me explore that feeling of being afraid in a way that was safe, especially with like horror movies. There was an ending to the movie. Um, I could turn off if I needed to, where I couldn't really do that with real life. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was so fascinating because I, I will just go home and I will like do basic chores and put a a horror movie on in the background. Like I'll be folding laundry, watching a horror movie, doing the dishes. There's a horror movie on in the background. And um, obviously I have to do it when my, my son is not there or he's in the other room. Um, but he came up to me the other day and I paused the movie because he came in the room and he said, why do you watch horror movies all the time? And I was like, that's a really good question because it's not even something that I really realized that I'm doing. And so that made me think back to, this has been something that's been going on since I was a little girl. And it brought me back to, this is the home I grew up in and it was very scary. Um, and I couldn't always escape that, but in this way I can mm-hmm. and talk about neural pathways. I wonder if that <laughs> created a neural pathway into this is now a comfort for me. Mm-hmm. This is what I seek out. This is so fascinating to me. I, I don't mean to make you uh, an experiment in my brain, but, <laughs> no, okay, um, but I, I think it's so fascinating because um, I had decided I was going to talk about this because I just think it's so funny. Um, it just so happens that my birthday is seven days before Halloween, and I hate it. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> I'd almost rather it's like the day after Christmas. <laughs> you know, shout out and sympathy to all those people out there who are living with birthdays within that week, <laughs> the, the, the like shadow week of New Year's in America. But um, but it's my birthday seven days Halloween, and I cannot tell you that my entire life, my whole life, my friends would be like, Oh my God, do you want to go to a haunted trail for your birthday? And I was like, no, I would literally rather die <laughs> because my dad played uh, the part of the chainsaw guy at the River Park uh, haunted trail for years and years. And eventually I just got to a place where I would say, like, no, I don't want to be scared on my birthday. I'm scared of that man like all the rest of the year. Oh my God. I mean, my dad's like, fine. But like, I also had some challenges in my life that made me go the entire opposite direction. Mm-hmm. I can't even sleep with sound. I, I don't like really? any sound. I don't like to have anything on in the background. It has become very clear to me that I am um, sort of odd in that way. Like, I am a person who I, I don't even listen to music to, like, study or something mm-hmm. like that. Many, many people do, like, as I went to college and now am in a marriage with a person who 
sleeps with a show on. <laughs> it is, I couldn't realize that that is a, a thing. And the reason that is, I promise I was getting to point, the reason that is, is because my escape is my thoughts. And I really am very comfortable with and love my internal world. And I like to think about that. And that makes me feel safe. Yeah. So I, I really like that parallel of like, oh, we're kind of doing the same thing. Right. It's what we're familiar with. Right. And it really speaks to what we were saying earlier about how this is very person specific. Yes. Like I am, um, I really love that we have that like same like experience in a way. I'm sure experiences are very different, but have the same response. Yeah. And, um, and I hope that's kind of like a parallel for what we're trying to convey to our listeners today too. Like, if you love Halloween, that's great. If you think Halloween is scary and it makes things harder, it's not great, but we understand that too. Yeah, that's okay too. Yeah, that's okay too. And I think that at the end of the day, it really has so much to do with um, knowing where to go. I think about this all the time. Um, once upon a time, I was a librarian, among many other things. <laughs> and, um, and if you've ever worked in a library, then you know what that means. <laughs> But um, one of the things that became very clear to me is that it's not enough to just know that there's an issue. It's not enough to just know that something's going on. You can't help yourself until you know where to go mm-hmm. for that. And so I hope that this podcast will kind of serve as a way to like think that through. So if you are a survivor and you're out there finding yourself in a position where it's like, oh man, this sort of heightened fear that comes with Halloween, this feeling of... Uh, there's a very specific word that I'm trying to powerlessness. Powerlessness is a great word. It's not the one, it's the one that it'll, it'll do. Um, the, the feeling of powerlessness that comes along with that. There are resources out there. You can you can call our hotline and say, Hey, I'm having a harder time right now. Can we can we talk about that? Do some safety planning. And of course, I think hey, you said it, it's always good to safety plan for yourself. Like, what am I gonna do if I'm out and about and I get in this position? What am I gonna do about if it's trick-or-treat night and there are strangers constantly knocking on the door. Although I will say this, in the article, there was this moment where they said, oh, on Halloween, people do things that would typically be scary, like knock on like on doors. Mm-hmm. Do people do? Well, most people are sitting on their porch, yeah. passing out candy. Yeah. I always smoke if you're not on your porch, just keep on going. Yeah, me too. But I guess maybe the times have changed. I I don't know, man. <laughs> is this an Appalachian thing? It might even mean just like pranks, like people oh, knocking on your door yeah. running away. Pranks. That is, oh man, I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> Nothing makes me angrier than a prank. And really? it, it is so weird because I can't even describe it myself. Like, <laughs> like when people prank me or do things to try to scare me, it makes me hate them on sight. <laughs> like, and it has, I think it has a lot to do with that. I right. hate being scared. Yeah. I hate it. But uh, it's very funny because I have a little sister who grew up in the exact same environment that I did. And she's the total opposite. She loves it. She eats it up. She will prank anybody. She will, <laughs> she loves to be pranked. She thinks it's funny. Like, I never think it's funny. I'm just going to make that right. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> there was somebody once who did that little trick where you turn the sprayer on the, like you have a sprayer on your sink and you turn the faucet and then the sprayer comes on and shoots you in the face. That one is infuriating. That's I have never forgiven that. <laughs> like I remember who they are and what they are and I've never spoken to them. <laughs> Anything else that we want to chat about before we wrap up? Maybe the idea that, especially like, well, any horror movie really, but, but like the newer ones that are coming out, 
like the intellectual horror movies address oh, like that. Yeah, yeah they address such big issues like racism uh grief uh-huh. um you know yeah. I do want to say that as a person who had a very very traumatic big loss mm-hmm. right one of my kind of beats with horror movies is that I was always like I used to say this and I don't really agree with that Mostly because I never say anything with certainty. Because <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, if I just live long enough, I'm proven wrong. <laughs> but I used to feel very strongly that horror movies create an idea of death that is so unreal. Like, death is the death of one major person in your life is so creating in every way. Horror movies don't really capture that, right? And it's really interesting to hear you say that they're like taking on things like grief, right? Um, yeah there was a movie that came out recently I think within the last few years called Night House and it's about this woman whose husband has passed away and so she is uh, she also lives in a like a wooded area she's very isolated so she only really has herself at this point herself and this giant loss of her husband who was you know, no longer there to join her in this space so she's trying to explore her grief and in that in that exploration she realizes that there is like a spirit in her house and while this is happening, she's also having weird dreams. She goes out into the woods and finds this house that's an exact replica of their house, but it's just backwards. And the things that she discovers about her husband after his passing is the idea of she really loved this man who actually never really existed. It's just the, and the, the fact that it's she's by herself the whole time really helps confront the idea that death is permeating that mm-hmm. person is gone forever and sometimes that loss can fall all the time usually that loss can feel very big mm-hmm. i really love the metaphor finding your house but finding it backwards yeah that's very very real right yeah that was a whole nother layer to add on to mm-hmm. what's happening with the spear in the house though but now you have this on the other side of it what's mm-hmm. happening here that's very very interesting there are some horror movies that i'm really really into and that i think are cool but usually has a lot to do with like psychological horror i'm not a like slash and horror kind of person right for example i I feel like that as a domestic violence advocate we kind of have to talk about the shining um which (laughs) is just entirely about domestic violence (laughs) yeah really and uh, i remember the first time i watched it my um partner at the time was like i know it's really scary like blah blah like you you can have your activity too I thought that movie was not scary in the slightest. I really? don't understand why anybody thought that it was scary at all. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> like, and so it was very, um, it was very strange to me. That it, I, didn't, I didn't find any elements of it horrific. It all just seemed very normal. Wow. Which I'll know that. I was going to say, it's really interesting that that was a movie that didn't touch on anything for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like. In my opinion, the most horrible movie in the world is Brooklyn's. Have you seen The Babadook? Yes. I think somebody was going to bring it. Yes. Have you seen it? No. But you know never. the premise. I know the premise. I know that is it parallel depression? Yes, and yeah. just mental illness and how um, at the end of the movie, you know, usually you conquer the monster, you defeat the monster. She keeps the monster. Oh. It's just kind of a parallel for how that's always going to be with you and you have to learn how to deal with it and navigate it. So I thought that that movie was a really great one. Um, I think horror has evolved so much 
mm-hmm. and from slasher gore to what it is now. I think it that's really makes so you think. Beautiful. Yeah. I think that horror is definitely taking into consideration what like trauma studies yeah. has taught us about who we are people and about um how we survive. I, I do think that there's something interesting about where that there's always an element, maybe not always, but almost always an element of like what it means to be a survivor. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you could you could really see a parallel in the way that people who have survived horrific experiences in life can connect in that way. Right. Yeah. So I think maybe another thing that this uh, episode could really serve to do is to just kind of like think about the ways that survivors, if they want to get in the spirit of the season and celebrate a little bit, but they want to do that in a safe way. Um, do you have ideas for what kind of things that they might be able to do? I am a big fan of arts and crafts, do-it-yourself stuff. So I really like the idea of getting together and kind of making like your own wisp brooms, just using like extra dry flowers and dried grass and sticks that you have outside. That's like a super simple craft that I think is so fun. At the end, you all come together and show your witch brooms. And then there's so many pumpkin activities you can do. You can carve a pumpkin, you can paint a pumpkin if you're uncomfortable with carving. I love making a spooky Halloween music list that really puts me in the mood and just kind of reminds me that Halloween can be really fun and not always scary. So I just wanted to remind people that there are options to celebrate where you don't have to scare yourself to death. I love that. I like the idea of like apple picking or like a hayride, yes. corn maze, those kinds of things. I They're love still... family fall activities. Yeah. I was just yeah. corn maze, like some things all die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but then you can also like get together with friends and have some uh, Halloween bees and maybe like watch Hocus Pocus, something yes. that's not mm-hmm. too too deep into it. I'll tell you, Google is amazing in this sense. I I know a lot of parent friends and a lot of just people in general who are like, hey. Google, give me 25 movies that are great for the season, but not scary. Right. And um, even easy to find. Even most streaming apps now have categories where they're like spooky, spooky, or very spooky. So they that have, is amazing. I, I love that. They, they're not giving me that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be like stomping up me. <laughs> but that is so cool. So I guess at the end of the day, I, I really loved having this conversation with you guys because we do come from such different places all the way around. And I think that in a small way, the three of us getting together to talk is a big reminder to all of our listeners that the best thing that you can do, no matter who you are, no matter how you respond, no matter how you, um, no matter what experience you have, is to just go out and root for each other. Absolutely. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, you can call us 24-7 at 304-529-2382. For more information on the dynamics and impact of abuse, check out our website at branchesdvs.org.